I think a big thing of what's happening now is taking back ownership and really feeling empowered enough to take the reins of one's own life. And that's, I think, also what a huge part of manifestation is, giving ourselves permission to live the life that brings us alive. From To Be Magnetic, this is The Expanded Podcast with your host, Lacey Phillips. And your host, Jessica Gill. As the leading destination for neural manifestation, we dispel the woo-woo in order to help you create real, tangible results based on neuroplasticity, psychology, epigenetics, and energetics. Our goal is to normalize the practice of manifestation and empower you to get into the driver's seat of your life in order to manifest the experiences, relationships, and things that most align with your authenticity. Part of our manifestation process entails expanding past your limiting subconscious beliefs. Therefore, by tuning into this podcast with interviews from experts, thought leaders, spiritual teachers, scientists, and those with neural manifestation success stories, you're starting the process of expanding your subconscious in order to see to believe that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, the process begins. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Expanded Podcast. Jessica here. I hope you're having a wonderful week. There has been so much going on astrologically in the past month or so and lots coming up over this next year. And so we're having Danny Beinstein back on the podcast today, the incredible psychological astrologer. We've had many episodes with Danny and we'll link them in the show notes. But I feel like this episode is going to be a really good energetic update of what is coming up for the collective, for the individual right now, and can really help ground you and ponder some of the questions and recognize some of the patterns that may be presenting in your life through your manifestation process. So in this episode, we really dive into how we can start to break our addiction and our relationship with control. How is our need for control hindering our growth? And as we're being pushed against our growth edge and looking into times of potential uncertainty, how can we ground into safety in this new surrendered felt sense? Danny really invites us to look at presence, how we can have presence in our life. This is a big theme that's been coming up, whether it's our wonder episode, our pings episode, really taking a look at how can the moments of presence in our life, the aliveness of the moments in our life, help us to see the patterns that are in front of us that need breaking and the patterns that we can start to shift within ourselves. She also invites us to take a peek at the ways we are trying to escape from the world. How are we numbing and how can we create a different relationship around them? No matter where you're at with your manifestation process, there is insight and tips and guidance for everyone. And I'm going to share some journal prompts or questions or actionable advice that you can take after this episode in the outro. So stay tuned for that as well. And now a word from our partners. So you know how much we love the seed symbiotic, the pre and probiotic combo here at To Be Magnetic. 
And what I really love about it is I'm someone who has struggled with gut issues and digestive issues and stress issues pretty much my whole life. And so having a high quality probiotic is a non-negotiable. I've taken a million and one different kinds of probiotics on the market and none of them really pack the punch and seem to be doing an impact that kept me consistent until seed. Because seed created their VitaCap, which is a capsule that their pre and probiotic live in, it was scientifically engineered to survive stomach acid, bile, salts, enzyme, to get 100% of everything that's in the capsule to the right part of your digestive system and populate with good bacteria. So a lot of times you hear kombucha, kimchi, fermented foods. If you're eating that, then you're getting enough probiotic. But the truth is you really need a regular quality probiotic in order to have the most diverse, good gut bacteria to help balance your stomach microbiome. It has been so helpful for me. I will not go anywhere without it. It is the first thing I do when I get up in the morning with my cup of lemon water. And I highly recommend it to anyone who is looking to support their GI function, skin health, heart health, gut, immune, gut barrier integrity, or anyone that just really has digestive issues. There's so many things that need to be in homeostasis in order for that to be supportive. And this is the foundation of what is going to set you up for good gut health overall. And so exciting, we've been partnering with Seed for so long that they've increased the discount for you guys. Use the code TBM20 to receive 20% off your first month of Seed's Daily Symbiotic. It's been a game changer in my gut health and I know it will be for yours as well. You can check the link in the show note or go to seed.com backslash TBM. Did you know that the blue light coming from your phone, computer, TV screen, even your microwave, clock light, or the street lamps outside your home could be impacting your sleep? When we are exposed to blue light, especially in the evening, it signals to our brain to stop producing melatonin. And melatonin is a hormone we need to signal rest and time to relax and get into a deep sleep state. So one of my absolute favorite products for helping protect you from blue light in the evening, especially if you need to be around screens, is the Bond Charge Blue Light Blocking Glasses. A permanent part of my evening routine now is for my partner and I to remind each other to slip on our blue light blocking glasses so we can be protected from blue light. And it has made such an impact. On the rare days that we forget to wear the glasses, I feel so wired after watching screens and have a terrible time being able to fall asleep and wind up waking up multiple times during the night. Whereas most of the other nights when I wear them, I have a much easier time falling asleep. I can almost fall asleep immediately even if I'm watching a screen, which is not the best thing to do before bed anyways, but they really, really work. So if you are looking for some blue light blocking glasses to help your sleep hygiene, I highly, highly recommend it. They are the best science-backed high quality products on the market by far. So if you would like to try their blue light blocking glasses, they have tons of different styles, shapes, etc., or any other of the science-backed wellness products by Bond Charge, you can use the code MAGNETIC, all caps, M-A-G-N-E-T-I-C, for 15% off. You can go to the show notes to find the link, or you can go to bondcharge.com, and in checkout, again, use the code MAGNETIC, all caps, M-A-G-N-E-T-I-C, for 15% off. to the episode. Today we have on a fan favorite, 
Danny Beinstein. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm so happy to be here. I feel like every time I've been on, I've been in a different state, literal physical state in America. (laughs) So now I am, I have bought land and I am in Nashville. I don't know how long this will be, but I just think it's funny. It occurred to me like I've been in a different state pretty much every time we've spoken. (laughs) Well, okay. So talk about that a little bit and even the like Asher cartography of it all too. You know, maybe a little brief intro of what Asher cartography is just so everyone knows, but like, do you utilize that when you're planning where you're going to land and where you're going to end up? It's such a great question. So astrocartography is where our personal lines fall across the global map. So often if we feel a connection to a place or we feel drawn to a place, we'll look it up and realize, oh, I have a significant line running through there. And what's even more is that I've started to piece together in the past couple of years that being drawn to a place during a significant transit that has that line. So for example, if we are going through our Saturn return and we then feel called to our Saturn line or a Pluto transit and we're drawn to our Pluto line or a Uranus transit drawn to our Uranus line. And I only started to piece that together retroactively about a year and a half ago because I realized I was drawn to LA during a series of Pluto transits that lasted nearly 15 years. And once those Pluto transits were complete, I I felt complete with Los Angeles. And then I felt called to New Zealand and realized, oh, I was going through a major Uranus transit. It's my Uranus line. And now I'm going through a major Neptune transit and I'm on my Neptune line running right through Nashville. And that became a little bit clearer as I was choosing this. I really started to utilize astrocartography more in the past couple of years because of that awareness. And it's really quite funny how accurate it is. And, you know, the idea with astrocartography is a lot of people are like, I can't be near my Pluto line. I can't be near my Saturn line. But sometimes, you know, obviously we're going through a major transit. We can't escape it anyway. They can be really useful. Like Pluto is really useful for transformation, for getting in touch with one's own power. I discovered my path on my Pluto line. Saturn can be really great for building structure and order in our lives. So there's this idea of like Venus and Jupiter, only go to Venus and Jupiter, maybe the sun, but all the planets are useful. It's all useful. And so it's funny you ask long-term. So my family, even though I was raised in New York City, my family has pretty much all migrated to Colorado. It's probably my happy place. Last time I, I spoke to you guys, I was, I was there. I'd come back from New Zealand and I was there for a few months before coming here. And my Venus line runs right through. Wow. Yeah. So I think that's probably where, if I stay in the States, that's where I'll end up. But I feel very drawn to this area right now. And we'll see what happens once the Neptune transit lifts. And for anyone at home, I mean, what website do you use? I usually use, what is it? Astro? The easiest way... You can do it for free on astro.com. I have special professional software, but you can find it on astro.com. And they have a thing called Astro Click Travel, which is that. And you just click on different areas and it'll show you where the lines are significant. But the other thing I utilize when I'm working with clients is a relocation chart. So it really shows you the depths of what that region or that city or that town would bring forward for you because the astrocartography is the major lines on the angles, but 
you can start to see how, how the energy would shift and you can get more detailed if you pull up a relocation chart. Interesting. Okay. I need to book a session about this because I've been, Daniel and I have been thinking about a new, like, what's the next chapter? And we're not quite sold that it's LA. We're like, I don't know if this is going to be the spot forever. It feels like the spot right now. And I have a lot, I think I have my moon line is nearby, my Pluto lines nearby. So I've been, I've been digging in the trenches, going through all the internal work here, yeah, which is fantastic. But it's like, okay, could there be a spot where it feels a little bit less like <laughs> every day you're, you're going through a new chapter? So I'll definitely have to, to look into that. And then the other thing I was interested in too is we're planning our wedding and we're like, what is the space that's going to feel harmonious for both of us? Like that peaceful, easy feeling. So I'm like, okay, he has this line here. And I'm like trying to do the math to see where they might pair up. <laughs> but then sometimes it's like Antarctica. And obviously you're not getting married in Antarctica. You've got to also say like, where do I, where do we both just feel so heart centered and alive? And that's my approach to astrology across the board, right? I'm not some, so much of a stickler that I think that it should ever override the intuition or the ping or the, the inner guidance, but it is wild how aligned it is. It's like, we know I feel this way in this place. And it could be someplace like Paris and everybody's like, how could you not love Paris? And the individual who has, you know, challenging energy through there is like, I just, I don't know. I felt off. So there are places in the world that people hold as kind of sacred, not just sacred like Sedona has a vortex, but sacred in, oh my God, these places are incredible, but it's really how we interact with that energy. I love that because then that brings the sort of autonomy and the beauty of each location, not that it's this global epicenter of spirituality or connectedness. It's like we each have our own part in the world where that hits for us differently. Exactly. Our Neptune line, for example, Neptune governs spirituality and mysticism. So you could be somewhere that other people would say, oh, there's nothing spiritual about that, but also spirituality is an a la carte. It's either everywhere or it's nowhere, right? But people saying, oh, or an individual saying, I feel really connected to spirit here. I have no idea why. This is not a place that one would think one would feel connected. That's a thing that I think I absolutely love about astrology is when you get into the depths of it, it's so individualized that the kind of tropes or the sayings that are supposed to appeal to everybody, they don't. In reality, they don't, right? We each have our own individual. And also we need to hear different things at different times. Sometimes we need to hear bloom where you're planted. Sometimes we need to hear, you need to get up and have a new experience and you need to move somewhere new. But sometimes that's not appropriate. And I love that about astrology, that it really opens us up to our cycles, our personal cycles. It's so funny. I'll notice a theme that, you know, we'll have some themes coming up in manifestation. Usually I'll notice it myself and then I'll start to talk to other people in the community or on the team. And I'm like, oh, it's happening for them too. And then I'll go on social media and it's like, this is happening in astrology. It's the same theme. And I'm like, how is this possible? Like, how do we all, are we all connected to it in our own unique ways at the same time through this collective presence? And there's a lot of collective presence happening this year. Yes. And that speaks to the energetics, which is what manifestation is all about, right? It's like the underlying energetics. 
Well, I think the thing that's really been coming up of late that I have been seeing so much is the pushing up, and I've been talking about this a bit on social media, but the pushing up against the growth edge. I think a lot of people think about manifesting in a way of it's a landing spot. Oh, I'll land up at a five-star resort having green juice by a pool and then everything is just going to be copacetic and fine. And it's like, actually, when we continually push up against our growth edge and clear and unblock as you guys teach then we're in the magic of it. And being in the magic of it is what we ultimately crave. And I feel like the astrology that's really present right now is breaking up complacency. Yes. Oh, I feel that. I think too, this growth edge, you know, like you said, you think about you're at this landing spot for your manifestation or manifesting is easeful. I'm just like calling in these beautiful things. And it's, it's really asking you to tear down the ways in which you've been leaning on things for safety that aren't actually giving you what you want. And I think that part of transferring from, okay, I was in these patterns because they felt safe. And I was just hoping I could just like get this manifestation, stick it right in my old patterns. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to work like that. And, and you're going to be pushed against this really almost like breaking edge where you have to kind of tear down everything you knew, create a new semblance of security, create a new baseline of what your reality is, and then grow from there. And I think that's when astrology is really important in my life. Cause I'm like, this feels so scary. Like what is this like on par with the themes? You know, like that's when I can start to lean on all of that stuff too. Yeah. It's so much of it is a trust walk. And the other thing is people will say, I have this transit coming up is usually a Saturn transit or Pluto transit. I'm really scared. Should I be scared? No, one should never be scared. And that really speaks to the psyche that's scared of the unknown or the future instead of an engagement with it. Like, because the other thing I'll get is, how do I prepare? It's like, you can't really prepare. It's not a landscape or terrain where it's like, okay, you're going to need water and you're going to need nuts and you're going to need a backpack mm -hmm. and a tent. It's more like trusting in yourself to greet each moment when it arrives. Because if we are so addicted to security and certainty and we're planning in the future and we're like, okay, so I have a Saturn transit coming up. That means I will do X, Y, and Z. We're missing the lesson that the universe or spirit or God is trying to present to us. So it's really about breaking down the addiction to control. And when we break that down and we take the trust walk and we take the leap, then that's when the net appears. But it's like so many people look to astrology for comfort and security when really the greatest gift of it is affirmation. Like, oh, this makes sense. This is why I'm going through what I'm going through. This is why I feel something shifting and it's coming in. But the outer reflects the inner. So the material has to really make itself, it has to work itself out in the inner consciousness so that it can manifest in the outer world. It's like you can't plan for a test in manifestation. You can't be like, okay, when I get the, well, I'm seeking a partner. When I get the test of this, this is how I'll respond. Uh -huh. You have to be present. It's the aliveness and the presence. And that's, I think, what we really crave anyway. The manifestation is the gravy. How do you stay, like, if you know you have all these transits coming up or you, there's these big astrology moments or, you know, I love when there's X, Y, Z, like this is the portal, capitalize on the portal and blah, 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 blah. 
how do you, instead of saying, okay, let me get ready, do you say, let me be present to what's showing up so you can witness it? That's exactly it. My antenna's up. So I'll give you an example. I had a big Uranus transit. So Uranus was uh, squaring my Venus and opposing my Mars. And I knew that was coming in. And I had Uranus's change and reversal and it collapses time. Venus is love and money, but it's also values. So you're going to invest your resources in what you value. And for me, the thing that I kept coming up, which is not what I expected, was you're craving nature, you're craving animals. But inside of me, I was like, no, I'm a city person. I mean, I have been in this battle, inner battle for like a decade, right? But in New Zealand, when I was in New Zealand, I was having this transit. It was like I was up against my growth edge. And I had to be open to what was showing up for me. And there were challenges in my relationship that I had to be present to, but it, it didn't present itself in the way that I had anticipated. And it rarely does. So I just try and stay as present and open and say, show me what the lesson is here. Show me what the learning is here. And when I live like that, then I can mine it for all its richness and I can break through a pattern. But I can't know the, if I knew the pattern, if I completely knew it, then I could start to work through it. But the whole idea is that it's hidden from me and then revealed through presence and through paying attention. If you're in a relationship pattern, you may have like kind of a, a vague idea, but it's really, you wouldn't be in the situation unless you had cleared the pattern. And you start to clear the pattern once you identify it, but you ha it has to rise up from your unconscious to your subconscious to your consciousness. 100%. And I think in the lens of manifestation, everyone's like, okay, here are my blocks in order to connect with this manifestation. And I think like, yes, that is a great way to structure your manifestation practice is going through that. But life will send you the blocks that you're ready to move through as well. Bingo. And I think that's it. It's like, if you're being triggered by something, I'll use I language. If I'm being triggered by something, that's the thing I'm meant to work on right then and there. That's it. Yes. It's not an idea over there. It's like, that's coming up. So I work on that right here and right now. And then I move through that. Okay. Maybe there's a plateau and things feel good. Or maybe I feel like I'm hitting trigger after trigger and I'm in a real earth school moment of like, I've got to move through this, got to move through this. And it'll be different at different times, but you can't plan that out. It's the illusion of control. Yes. And I love how you said that looking to astrology is the affirmation, because I think when people are like, okay, I'm looking to astrology as my roadmap of how to find that control. It's like, no, it's not your roadmap. It's almost more impactful to go back and review what did you just go through and did it align and witness, oh, wow, I did show up for myself in that way. I did face those big obstacles. I was being tested in that way. And that so mirrored like the lesson I needed for this chapter versus how is Australia going to tell me how to get through this really, really difficult test? And it's not going to tell you. What's going to tell you is your own resilience, your own willingness to dance with the unknown and uncertainty and to open up to what's in alignment for your soul versus I am controlled. This is what I'm doing. Show me how to plan it because that's not how life works. 
It's like having a baby. You don't, maybe that baby's going to be a great sleeper. Maybe that baby's going to be up every two hours. Like you don't know what the experience is going to be until the baby comes. We plan, but make a plan and God laughs. Like there's a reason for that saying. So I think when I think of manifestation, I think about like, it's about letting go of the plan and letting your soul dance with your reality so that you can upgrade your perceptual filter and lens so that what you call in matches your energetics. It is anyway. It's seeing things through a soul-centered lens. And I do feel we are in, I've said this many times, a heart crisis because our heart is infinitely more powerful than our mind, but we don't see it that way. We fear our heart and say, okay, this is the safe thing. This is going to keep me in security. When actually, if someone, let's say, you know, there are tech layoffs and people are being laid off and maybe in the back of their mind, they never really wanted that job anyway. So maybe they're actually a baker and they go, okay, well, here's my opportunity. I've been laid off to open a bakery. And then everything blossoms as a result. That's a heart-centered manifestation which has so much richness and vibrancy, as opposed to my head says I should just stay here and, you know, because it's stable and then exactly maybe like I'll manifest a vacation and drop it into my current pattern. It's like, do we really want to grow? This is the energy, the astrological energy that we're working with right now. Uranus is in Taurus and it's shaking things up. And then we have these two major movements of Saturn into Pisces and Pluto into Aquarius. These are major shifts in the collective, but if we don't work with them, we'll get whipped around by them. It's sounding also like if looking at these transits that are active this year and and maybe also kind of walk through what's happening at what timeline too would be helpful. But as these transits are coming up, we have almost like two paths. One path is we can be like, oh, whoa, I'm in a, my snow globe just got shaken up and we can try to go back to our old pattern and we're going to try to get back to our old pattern with resistance and it's going to be messy and tooth and nail and it's ultimately not going to bring us the growth that we're truly on a soul authentic level looking for or we can kind of jump into this chaos of sorts, this newness, this edge, this gross edge and say, okay, I don't know what this means. And this is shaking my whole world, but I'm ready and willing to listen to what's next and what may be bigger than what I can't see right now. Exactly. And that's the, I love that you said dancing with the chaos because that's exactly what it is. Birth, you know, it comes from chaos and comes from destruction in a way. So if we're waiting for that perfect time or that perfect moment, it's never going to come. And no one outside of us is going to give us permission. I think a big thing of what's happening now is taking back ownership and really feeling empowered enough to take the reins of one's own life. We have spent so much, you know, in the collective giving our power away. And that's like the fastest way to dim our, dim our light and to shut down the pure potentiality that's available to us in each moment. So if we're talking about the astrology, the spring is wild, like just before the spring and then as we go deeper into the spring. So on March 7th, Saturn moves into Pisces. So Saturn 
takes 20 and a half years to grow in the zodiac. So those with early degree Pisces will start to have their Saturn return. It's there until 2025. And because Pisces is the planet of mysticism and compassion and the unseen world, art, poetry, creativity, you know, thinking of oneself as a vessel, faith, not the container of religion per se, but just faith itself. Coming back to that idea of the unseen world. There's also with Pisces, there can be victim consciousness, overpassivity, escapism, addiction. So Saturn moving into Pisces is really an opportunity for us to look at what it is that we're addicted to. We're all addicted to something, even if it's control. Control is the master mm-hmm. addiction. What are we trying to escape from? How are we playing into victim consciousness in our own psyche? How are we playing the martyr? It's really going to come here to help us clean that all up in preparation for Saturn moving into Aries. And Aries is like taking the reins. I'm going, right? It's that fire sign. It's feisty. But Saturn through Pisces, I think, is really going to have us exploring the ways in which we either ground ourselves in faith or we escape ourselves or attempt to escape you know, the challenging aspects and challenging moments. And that comes back to the growth edge. If we're lifting weights, for example, if we can push through to that last couple reps and we go, oh my God, I feel so much stronger as opposed to, I can't do this. I can't do this, right? We'll never build the muscle. We'll never actually change the patterning if we don't sit in the discomfort and take contrary action. So you know, it's going to be interesting with that. And then Pluto, I think it's March 24th, Pluto moves into Aquarius and it'll backtrack into Capricorn before going ahead again. So it's not fully, fully in Aquarius, but it's dancing and it'll move in. I think May, it starts to go retrograde. But Pluto in Aquarius is really interesting because Pluto is transformation and revolution and Aquarius is the collective. It's technology. It's paradoxically, both the individual and the collective. So I think all these conversations about groupthink, about are we actually responding to our world based on what feels authentic and genuine to us, or are we just absorbing the conversation or the echo chamber that we're in and just losing our individuality and our individual response? And so it could go very different ways. It could go the death of the individual or it could go the death of over-reliance on technology as a way to separate ourselves from ourselves. I mean, hopefully we come to a kind of equilibrium where we utilize these tools in a really profound way, but we don't lose our humanity in the process or our individual soul. So that dance is going to be really interesting. But I think for us as individuals, it's really finding within ourselves, our relationship to technological advancement. Is it soul sucking or is it soul feeding? It's such a fine line. It's so interesting because as you're saying all this, I'm like, oh, cool. So it's a chapter of clearing space. It's getting rid of the stuff that doesn't work anymore, that hasn't worked for a while that we're using to avoid. And with that space moved, we have space to bring in the new, which is like that Aries energy. It's like, move, let's go. How are we going to usher in this new stuff? And I'm thinking, especially with the technology, I would bet that like everyone's almost majority of people's number one 
thing that they're trying to cut down or limit is screen time, whether it's TV, computer, phone, social media, whatever. And so it's so interesting that we're all being looked to, before we jump in further with AI and all the new advancements that are coming forward, how are we utilizing these tools? How are they utilizing us? And how can we change that relationship? Exactly. And that's what Saturn in Aquarius has been about. It's like almost prepping us for Pluto's entry. It's just interesting how they're kind of stacked. But I think that it comes down to the heart. So for example, I think it's really important to remember that these devices, specifically social media and our phones, are designed like cigarettes to addict us. They are literally designed to addict us. So it's really saying, okay, I recognize this. And I recognize that it's going to be challenging because there is a dopamine hit. My my brain, my physiological brain is responding, but I'm not going to play victim to it. I'm going to take ownership as much as I can to engage with it. And I think when it comes to, for example, TV is like, is the TV, are you watching something that's nourishing and soul-filling and moving and inspiring? Or are you watching you know, for lack of a better term, trash. That's just mindless and numbing. So I always think it's like on social media, are you engaging it in a way where you're following people who inspire you and wake you up? Or are you kind of mindlessly scrolling? And I think that's where the personal responsibility piece is so strong. And coming back again to the heart, because our mind is so, it's addicted to these platforms. It's like, okay, if I center in my heart, if I center in my body, what's there? What, what am I not listening to? What am I avoiding by scrolling, by watching TV that's mindless and numbing? If I have a shopping addiction, if I have any kind of thing that's trying to pull me from my soul, I think it's coming back more and more and more to the soulfulness, which we've moved away from as part of the cultural conversation. How many things movies, et cetera, come out where people are like, I was so touched and moved by that. Like where are the things that are about movies that are inspiring that, you know, bring out the best in humanity. And I'm praying that we see more of that with Saturn moving into Pisces, like a return to sentiment, things that are heartfelt, compassionate, moving, touching, that we recognize the, the synchronicities, the mysticism, Because it's such, I think it's so much a part of what makes us feel alive. I mean, that's, I could go on a whole tangent on the movie aspect there, but I think it it is really interesting. And also thinking of movies, how, how that whole industry has shifted and what's gotten funding and what you even go to theaters to see and how that experience has changed. And kind of like you were saying with the Pisces is all about the art. It'll be interesting to see what the artists, what the directors, what the writers, what the creators, and even creators on social media, like how that is shifting. You think of something like TikTok and part of their hook, their differentiating factor is that people want reality. They don't want the polished image or the studio or, you know, they really want like someone in their home doing normal stuff and then teaching them something interesting that they never heard before. So it seems like it's already starting to shift, but it's also looking at the ways in which it's almost like the artist can't figure out how to create that if they are numbing with the technology. And Pisces rules film and photography. 
So it is going to be really interesting. And that's one of the things, you know, that I personally love to clock and have. It was my, actually my, my college thesis is like looking at storytelling as emblematic of whatever the zeitgeist is, whatever the core energy is. And so, you know, I, because maybe, because I'm at my core an internal optimist, I'm hoping that we do get back to storytelling that's deeply moving, you know, and really touches us. And also come back to this idea of dreaming that because Pisces is also the dreamer and there's a way to dream that feels like it's possible versus escapism. You know, it's a nuanced thing, but like giving yourself permission to dream, I think is so important to like open up your heart, like more romanticism and not in a way that's like Pollyanna or avoidance of reality, but in a way that brings us alive. That's my hope with these shifts and that we tap into, like you said, within ourselves. So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin. We have a la carte workshops in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest, unblocked inner child and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. But the real gem is the Pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year-long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and exclusive workshops not available anywhere else, such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the Pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. You can use our special code EXPANDED, all caps, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D, to receive $20 off your first a la carte workshop purchase or $20 off your first month of the pathway. Again, that's all caps, EXPANDED, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D. Okay, now back to the episode. It's interesting. We had a, um, an expert on Monica Parker who just wrote a book about wonder and the science of wonder and how wonder is actually a more effective emotion for creating the fulfillment we're looking for in our lives than searching for happiness because happiness is so fleeting and wonder and finding those awe-inspiring experiences allow us to be humbled and also feel the full spectrum of like feeling small, our existential nature as humans, life, death cycles, the fact, you know, where we play into all of this. And at the tail end of that is this feeling of hope of like, whoa, it's so much bigger and like, look how, where it can go. And I think that's so powerful. And I think we can find that in art. We can find that in the natural world. It's like living out in the woods. I see so many more birds now. The wonder of these birds and their colors, like, you know, 20 years or so ago, I went to Brazil and I just remember like 
the colors, the vibrancy, the beauty, it's so awe-inspiring. And that wonder is, it's within us. It's a reflection back to our own magnificence if we're coming at it from that soul, heart-centered place. It's so funny, right? When you said that, a bird just flew on the balcony and outside. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Completely agree. And I think exactly what you're saying of looking into this sort of Pisces clearing section, what are the things that we are doing in our lives that is blocking us from allowing to witness the beauty that exists now? Yep. And there's, there's so much magic in that. There's just so much magic. And it feels like, yes, with the AI and all of, you know, chat GBT and all of these things that are coming in, how can we reaffirm our humanity? How can we reaffirm the thing that makes us irreplaceable? What's inimitable about us? And that is our creative spirit. doesn't mean you have to be a painter or a photographer, but, you know, just the creative spirit. It really feels like in order to access that, we need to just, like you said, create that space. And that's what this energy is about. And then as we move into 2024, you know, there's going to be a meeting up in April of 2024 of Jupiter and Uranus in Taurus. And Taurus is the physical world, the sensual world, beauty in many ways from a tactile standpoint and nourishment. And it feels like there's this just really interesting, I mean, that is like abundance, in a signature, in an astrological signature, Jupiter conjunct Uranus in, abun- in Taurus is abundance. So tapping into like really deepening our understanding of abundance. Before that though, this spring, we also have the eclipses. So on April 19th, we have an eclipse in Aries at the last degree of Aries and it's conjunct Jupiter. And that feels like, that feels like a giant leap of faith. It's why I'm doing, I'm doing a retreat in Costa Rica that week to really harness that energy because it's really, that is a time to move out of the comfort zone. And then immediately after that eclipse, the next day we, we drop down into Taurus season and really like anchor that new beginning in physical world reality. And then we have an eclipse on May 5th in Scorpio that's about unearthing the shadow, making peace with the shadow, et cetera. And then at the end of the year, well, in autumn, on October 14th, we have a solar eclipse in Libra. And so the the eclipses are going to start to move into Aries and Libra. And then the final one, October 28th, is in Taurus. So we're finalizing the Scorpio-Taurus eclipses and moving into Aries-Libra. And that, in a way, feels like a new cycle because Aries is the first sign of the zodiac. So yeah, even though the nodes move backwards, there's just this feeling of like getting back to the thing that brings us alive. What would we do if money weren't in it, an, you know, an object, if we could just launch in and feel fully alive, what would we do? And I think you're so right that all the technology and social media in so many ways has moved us away from asking ourselves that true question. I, I mean, the theme that I just keep thinking of too is like, rooting back into your authenticity. Like what are the things in the way? Start clearing them out as the the ground kind of changes and shifts beneath us. How do we how do we create the new reality where we are leaning closer to our authenticity on the other side of it? 
That's it. And I, I also think when I think of authenticity, I think of being genuine moment to moment. It's not like a crystallized thing. It's a dynamic, alive thing. It's like, what's my genuine response to this situation? Not histrionic, not based in past stories or traumas or memories, but like tapping into really getting into like, what is my genuine, what moves me? I think that's like such a powerful way to start to access authenticity, what moves me. That's how we start to understand how we come alive and what brings us alive. And it just feels like there's this crackling and this opening in the consciousness that's supported by the astrology to start to really come up against what's holding us back and break through. I mean, it sounds like a a blessing. I'm sure it will also be extremely challenging for many people. (laughs) But it's like you said in the beginning, it's not like, how do I fear this thing that's coming up? It's how do I stay present to all there is to kind of like squeeze the juice out of the lemon? You know, how do I really sit with all these lessons here? Because if I can have that inner trust, create the connection with self, I can navigate this and, and trust on the other side be in a more aligned place. Yes. And I think this piece about complacency, because it's a relatively recent phenomenon in human development that so many people on the planet are living in such comfort and it's numbed us. And ironically, it's made us more anxious and more depressed. Yes. There was some study that said, because we have more choices of cereal on the shelf, we are more anxious than had we only had two. We think of all of these things as luxury and I can get whatever I want, whenever I want or something like that. But what is the impact of that? You know, what is the impact of living in the time of Amazon where you can order whatever the heck you want online and have it come or viewing any type of content you could ever imagine? I mean, Besides the already addiction factors of our of our phones and the technology there, the fact that if you're a curious person, you can find something you're curious about that you want to look up on the internet at any time of the day. And there's a blessing to that, but there's also a curse to it. Like when you're talking about that, I'm thinking of, you know, in the past, if people had spaciousness, that's why they wrote stories and put them on in the town square. And I also think one of the huge predictors, and of course, this does not apply to every human being, but is community. We try and seek it in all of these ways, but there is something to like walking into a coffee shop, having the barista, know your face, know your name. Those interactions actually fulfill us in deep ways and synchronicity can really occur in that way. We don't and listen, I'm a world traveler. I love travel, but we don't need to go to the other side of the world to experience synchronicity. It's really how alive our everyday environment becomes to us. It's like taking the same steps that we do every day, but with technicolor glasses on. Everything becomes more and more alive. And that's a state of wonder too. So I also think it's like what we think will make us happy versus what genuinely makes us happy. And that's why the reptilian brain is such a poor indicator of what actually will bring us joy. Just like we are very often, we are not reliable narrators of our own story because we're seeing it through our lens. So all of that, I think, is a factor in saying, okay, Is my reptilian brain thinking this is what I want to manifest? Or is it like what my heart 
really wants to manifest? Is it what brings me that sense of fulfillment and joy? And if it's a sense of fulfillment and joy, it's usually involved in some type of engagement with the world in some way. Even if you're painting as a recluse, but you, the painting brings you alive, it's an engagement with the canvas. It's not complete leisure. It's engagement. And I think shifting the mindset around like, I'm alive. How do I want to participate in a way, keep coming back to the heart centeredness? That's going to be fulfilling and soul filling and keep opening up manifestations for us as I continue to like unblock all these things that keep me separate from my core desire to engage in the world in a way that feels genuine to me. And I, I love even the example you gave about the barista because Daniel and I, when we went on vacation over winter, we're like, wow, this, you know, small winter town that we'd gone to, we're like, the baristas are so nice and it feels like you're part of the town and blah, 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 all this stuff. And we're like, why don't we do that here? Let's just go to the same coffee shop, talk to the baristas. Mm-hmm. Like, why would we not? And now we have our local spot that we go to and everyone knows our name when we come in. And I'm like, oh, wait, I had that in front of me and I wasn't seeing it because I was so preoccupied in the day-to-day and you know, you wait in line, you just check your phone, send emails, send a Slack, you're not engaged. But when you're on vacation, you, you want your phone down. So it's like, how do you be present to what's here? Yes. And like the great thing about big cities is they're a bunch of smaller villages, just very close together. Like even in Manhattan, where I grew up, you have this like five block radius. And usually there's like, especially now, a coffee shop within that. And it's like really built. You don't have to be at a small town, although that's beautiful too. But it's like exactly wherever you are engaging at that level. And then things open up more and more, engaging with what's right in front of you. It's very exciting because I think the, you know, it's long gone, but the era of someone else take care of me, I don't want to have to make decisions. We've hit the wall on that. We've got to come back to ourselves and give ourselves permission. And that's, I think, also what a huge part of manifestation is. It's like giving ourselves permission to live the life that brings us alive, not what society tells us, not who we're supposed to be. I can imagine with this chapter coming, there's going to be a lot of letting go, letting go to these pieces of security and things that we've held on, these stories we've told ourselves, these narratives. How do you navigate letting go? Is different astrology science navigate letting go differently? How would you see it through that lens? Yes. And also identities. It's almost like throughout a single incarnation, we can put on different avatars, we take on different identities and we're, you know, we're still our core immutable soul, but there is something about kind of shifting our identities. So I, I'm a Virgo and Virgos are, the one thing that's probably the most Virgo about me is I really don't hold on to stuff. Like it's almost, my mom used to make fun of me when she would come visit me. She's like, you don't even have enough clothes to layer on. An outfit. <laughs> I was such a minimalist until basically until I moved to Topanga and then I bought this house in Nashville where I've had to accumulate things. And sometimes I get anxious because I don't actually, I don't love a minimalist style. I like a semi-maximum, like I'm doing wallpaper and I'm going to, you know, this room will be wallpapered and really bring it alive. But I like to feel like I can move a lot. And that's a very mutable sign thing. So the mutable signs are Gemini, Virgo, Sag, and Pisces. 
I would say the signs of the hardest time letting go are the fixed signs. Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius. And then you have the cardinal signs, which like to initiate things. So start things, but not necessarily complete. And that's Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. And of course you have to look at the whole chart, but I get a real high letting go of things almost in a way that's slightly problematic. Um, <laughs> it's pretty easy for me to move. I'm pretty, you know, I need to learn and I'm learning to ground even more. You know, that's why different lessons show up for different people at different times. But I think, you know, one thing I can say is you can really engage with it where it's, it is like a high. You ever get that feeling of like, okay, I know I got to clean out the junk drawer and you keep putting off and then you do it. And then you're like, I'm going to clean out this drawer and I'm gonna clean my closet. And then it just like, you feel so much lightness mm-hmm. thinking about that on a, on a psychic level, engaging with the void or the space or the magic dark in a way that feels so rich and exciting because you're in that point of pure potentiality. And so I think it's, it's really engaging with uncertainty and the unknown in a way that feels positive and possible. And I think that's one of the most challenging things for, for a lot of folks to work through is the unknown better than the known. Even if I don't like the known, I know it, but again, comfort and complacency. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like this interesting dance too, because you know the known and maybe it's not everything you want, but especially if you're an optimist, you can be like, well, this is good. And that yeah. part's really good. And I'm so grateful for this. And you ground into all of those things that continue to keep you safe and stagnant and not growing. And it's almost like, okay, yes, we want gratitude. We don't want to just feel unfulfilled at every next level that we get. We also want to take moments of appreciation for each stage and step. But it's like when a chapter comes in, if we cannot let it go, even though there are good things about it, it's like holding us back like an anchor. That's exactly it. And it's like in life, we're going to plateau. And that's a beautiful thing to be in that phase. It's like when someone has a child and then the child goes off to kindergarten and first grade. And it's, it's a loss of having, especially if you love those years of them being small, but you can't keep living your life as if you have a two-year-old, if you have a seven-year-old time is ever shifting and moving. And so there are times when having a plateau is really beneficial. And then we start to get the whispers. And if we don't listen, the whispers become a shout. It is time to change things up. If we don't do it, it'll be done for us. The rock bottom. Exactly. I think even looking at all of that stuff too, it's it's remembering your authenticity, your magnetism, your manifestations, like what, what is meant for you will not miss you. You just have to be continuing on. If you stay present, if you keep focusing in on what is the lesson I can learn here? How can I give myself the safety and comfort? So I stop relying on all these outside things. How can I stop numbing and actually stay present with the world that I'm in? Then the gift is on the other side. Just hold true to that gift. Think it's the trust muscle, you know, think back of all the times it's worked out beautifully. Lean into that. That will drive you forward. Exactly. And we tend to hold on to things where we say, oh, it didn't work out. Instead of we have reference points in our life and to glean, you know, wisdom from them. And like you said, even like looking backwards 
astrologically of like what was happening. Where am I in my cycles? Where am I in my growth cycle? Is this a time to move or is this a time to kind of be settled in whatever I'm doing and really starting to engage with one's personal cycles in that way? And I think it's also not judging ourselves because the judgment locks in the pattern that we're trying to dissolve. How can I, from a compassionate, self-forgiving place, but also kick myself in the ass when it's necessary? It's again, that fine line. And I think there's so much richness to be had. If we just start to say like, also, where is my blind spot? Like, what am I not seeing? Because we all have blind spots. We all need people to reflect back to us what we can't see about ourselves or to put together the what I've been calling the energetic nugget, drawing all the threads together and seeing like, what's the underlying thing here? What's the, I just love that term. I don't know if everyone's ever used it, but I feel like I came up with it. I love it. Right? Yes. And when you have that aha moment, those are the things that I live for with my clients, with myself. It's like, yes, we got to that, right? So now you can start to work with that and you can start to see, oh, okay, I think I've integrated this lesson and I'm ready for a new lesson. Because it does come back to that Pema Chodron quote, which is like, nothing ever goes away until it's taught us what we need to know. If we keep coming against the same patterning, it's like, we're not actually learning the lesson. We may be just applying short-term solutions, but we're not actually coming up against that growth edge and really learning and metabolizing the lesson. What is one way that the fear of growth presents that you notice either with clients or with other people? And how do you, like, what would be your advice in navigating or processing through that? Because obviously fear is a spectrum, but it can feel very intense for a lot of people. It can. So let's say you've been in corporate most of your life or, you know, since you've been working and you want to, you really want to start to lean into a more creative life and creative way of being. But you have a fear and you're not really sure where that fear comes from. But then let's say we start asking questions. I start asking questions and it's like, okay, what were your early schooling experiences, right? So let's say, let's say you're older and you went to like a religious school and in this particular classroom where you were supposed to be, it's an art class, but you have to color inside the lines. If you color outside the lines, metaphorically or literally, and you get hit on your knuckles by a ruler, you're going to have a sense memory of, I cannot move outside the lines. So one of the things to work with is that that happened. And if that, what happened wasn't metabolized, we will hold it as cellular memory, as fear. So it's saying, okay, I'm going to sit in the discomfort with that younger self, with that inner child in that moment. And I may have to relive that moment, assuming it's not too traumatizing. Of course, there's like layers and one needs to be held with this if it's, if it's a bigger, bigger thing. But saying, okay, if I can sit with the discomfort of that and realize I came out the other side, I can have a new relationship with coloring outside the lines. So we look at like, what is the inciting incident or what is the thing that caused the original fear? And it could be something as simple as like, I brought home a painting and my mom threw it out and now I have a trauma, you know, or now I hold it in my cellular memory that like, I can't do anything creative. It's going to get tossed. And so we go back and like feel the sadness of what that felt like. So it can be metabolized and processed. So a big part of it is like, we're in avoidance of pain. That's what fear is. 
I don't want to fear pain. So one has to make peace with feeling pain. Doesn't mean you have to suffer. It just means that you have to make peace that pain is part of the process and pain is part of growth. Just like when I was talking about building muscles, it hurts. And even the next day when you have that soreness, but it's kind of like a good soreness, you're like, I've worked some, I've stretched it further than I had before. So it's starting to have a relationship with pain in a way where it's like, okay, some pain is, is our biology or psyche alerting us, stop, stop, stop. But sometimes it's just, I'm coming up against my growth edge. So a big part of it is developing the kind of strength to sit with the discomfort or the pain and be able to metabolize it so we can move through it. Oh, that was amazing. I mean, chef's kiss. That's it. (laughs) That's really, really it. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think once I started to see like, oh, there's that fine line between terrifying and absolute wonder and delight. There's something like thrilling. You have the experience of like you pass a test and pass a test and the new thing hasn't come in, but you're like, I'm passing the test. Like I'm on a high. Mm-hmm. Like it can feel good. It can feel really good to like start to work with the discomfort in a new way. And I think that whatever comes next past the comfort zone, even if you can't see the fine details of it all, you are open to something in a way that you were so, you were looking through such a small lens before. And until you can be like, okay, I'm going to move through the fear and, and past the growth edge, a whole new world opportunity opens up on the other side of it. It's so thrilling and we're alive. I mean, I think the thing, that's the thing that I keep coming back to is like, who knows what's on the other side once we pass and transition, but like we get to smell a rose, we get to taste tea, we get to, you know, if we have the gift of sight, we get to see a bird, we get to hear music. We're always craving these giant things, but like if we can live in that wonder, then it starts showing up more and more and more because we've metabolized and learned the lesson. Every spiritual lesson is presence. And there's an innate abundance to that. And then we lean into that. That's when we start receiving more and more and more. Because when we're in a scarcity mindset, why is the universe going to deliver more? Why? Because we're not going to be able to feel into it. It's why, you know, in my life, just growing up in New York City, I, I mean, I knew so many people who were so beyond wealthy, who were so miserable and would stay at these fabulous resorts and have these... and couldn't be present on the phone and work in stress all the time, stressed out. If you take it off of you, ironically, and you tap into the wonder and delight, there is abundance beyond abundance beyond abundance. But if we just are living in scarcity, nothing, if we're in inner poverty, no amount on the outside is going to fulfill us. So if we're attached to manifesting a lifestyle, but we haven't developed the attunement or skill to embrace the beauty that is around us, no matter what our circumstances is. Like, I remember I was like living in, excuse my language, like the shittiest apartment in West Hollywood. And I would be like, okay, but I love this corner. Or I love that like on my street, I love this tree. Or I love that I can, it's like, I would try and focus on the beauty where I could find it. And the more I did that, the more I noticed the synchronicities of abundance showing up more and more. It is OG, like it's new age OG, but it works. 
And when we're in that, then we're like, oh, I trust. I see the abundance all around me. So I trust to take that leap. But if we're in a scarcity and nothing's ever enough, then it's like, well, I have to hold on to what I have. I have to hold on so tightly. If someone is trying to meet a partner and they are obsessively, you know, waiting for a text for someone to come in, but literally right next to them at the grocery checkout line is a potential suitor, you're going to miss that because look at where you're focusing. It's that desperation dog paddle energy. Yes. It's, it's being so consumed with the next, what's out there. Yeah, you could say it's like old school stuff, but it's also truly a reflection of self-worth. If your worth is always in the next thing that's coming, well, you're not going to have the self-worth to connect with the next thing because you're putting it out there instead of recognizing that you already have it here. Exactly. That's it. And a big part of that is the heart. But our reptilian brain is so activated by like, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. It's like, when I've caught myself doing that, let's say like I'm on social media and I'm like, I want that sweater, I want that sweater. And I'm like, you have sweaters that are just like that. Do you actually need that right now? That's literally my brain, my reptilian brain saying, I need that, I need that. And I check myself and say, is that true? And I do that, you know, with traveling because that is my Achilles heel. I'll be one place and I'll be like, okay, but this place next. And I'm like, what am I doing? If I'm not able to be present here, it doesn't matter. I'll just play that game no matter where I am. I'll be a piner. If I'm in Paris, I'll say, but I want to be in India. If I'm in India, I want, you know, but I want to be, then I'm not taking it in. So I actually, in a way, this sounds harsh. I don't really deserve it. And I recognize that's like a mindset, but it's also like, what's the point? If I'm just racking up miles and I'm not living and I'm not present. And so I had to pause on the traveling and go, okay, I need to come back to myself and really stabilize my nervous system. Because if, I, if I'm in an acquisitive energy around all this travel, I'm not actually present to it. If I'm, I can't be present here at home, then I'm not going to be able to really be present there. And so that's what this past couple of years has been for me, is to say, okay, I'm going to challenge myself to watch you know, because in Nashville that you have a real change of seasons, like watch these change of seasons and really see the beauty in it and be present to the aliveness in that. And that was out of my comfort zone. But the growth edge of it is incredible. And the things that are coming up inside of me are incredible. I had to come up against the part of myself that was no travel was ever enough. And then I was like, well, then it's never going to be enough. Whereas like, I didn't leave the country for 11 years. And I remember that first trip abroad it was like a five-year-old at the circus or if, they, if they're not scared of clowns. Like, you know, yeah. just like the most exciting thing ever. And then we were traveling on top and I started to realize that that started to wear off. And I was like, uh-uh, not okay. I want that sense of wonder at every trip because it's, it's a miracle that I'm alive now when I can hop on a plane and go somewhere. And I never want to take that for granted. So I had to say, no, almost like a, to my child self, no, you don't get any more candy. You have to really savor the candy that you have. Then you can go again. There's definitely, like, there for sure is maybe like some kind of inner child blocks, but I also think there's definitely this, this semblance of 
understanding what you're actually like, let's say you're manifesting a travel, you're manifesting a trip. What is the feeling beneath it? Like, that's how we always push people to be like, it's not about the material thing. What do you think that material thing will make you feel and get really, really clear about what that feeling is? Because you could manifest all the trips in the world, but if you were manifesting those trips in order to feel present, all wonder, like, like a child, then you're not actually manifesting. Even though you get the trip, you're not manifesting what you really intended to want. So it's like, what are the blocks there from preventing you from having those experiences? Exactly. And that was like the lesson that I needed to give myself. And also my nervous system was fried because I moved every two weeks in New Zealand for seven months. So I was like, I'm just fried. I need to ground. But that was it. It wasn't like I was being punitive. It was more like you're fried. You're not able to really tune in. So if you're not able to tune in, what's the point? come back to that so that when you engage again, it's full presence. Yeah. This is the theme of the whole year. This is so exciting. Where can people find you? Talk about your courses, talk about the new offering you're launching, all of that fun stuff. So my website, uh, daniellebeinstein.com. I also think it's dannybeinstein.com. I think you can go to either. And then my Instagram. So I have a bunch of fun things. So I have uh, astrology 101. I have a digital course, which is intro to astro, which is self-guided, but this is going to be a live interactive course starting in March. I'm also doing group spiritual psychology, astrology, hybrid coaching guidance around all of these energies. One is a three month course that's cosmic rooting. And then one is a six month course, which is a hybrid of one-on-one sessions and then group container that's called breakthrough. And then I'm still doing my one-offs and then people can work with me long-term. And that I really love because we get really into the meat and the juice. So yeah, those are all the ways. Amazing. And I think too, for anyone who's listening in and they're like, okay, how specifically is my astrology impacted? Or how can I start to look at the pattern or find that energetic nugget, like you were saying, help you color in and see the lens from a different way? Yes, you can do her self-guided intro workshop, but I think these Zoom calls in the new one is going to be so helpful. And then obviously any of the one-on-one and and deeper sessions, we'll get there too. But for the newbie joining in, I think that's going to be so powerful. I'm so excited. And I think also, you know, I have so many clients that come to me and, you know, an astrologer has told them I have X. Does this mean I'm like doomed to be single forever? And it's like, I really, part of the real heart-centered reason I wanted to put this out is to really blast through all of that gobbledygook and that fear mentality and really look at it for all of the richness that's there and really teach it through the mystical, but also the psychological and pragmatic lens that I operate through. Because I just think so much that's out there is so scarcity minded and fear mongering. And so I really, I really want to kind of teach a different way of perceiving it through the spiritual psychology lens, which I think is just so important my intention here is to really approach it from a real sense, a mystical sense, a grounded sense, a psychological sense, um, but really where people feel like it's purposeful, not that their life is completely faded and they have no agency and that it's devoid of mysticism and, and beauty and love and joy. It's like, it's not true. 
I love the lens in which you approach astrology for that exact reason, because it is not fear-based. It's not dogmatic. It's not you're in these fixed buckets or bubbles or whatever's happening. It's cool. Here's the energy that's presenting. How can you dance with it? And let's get you attuned to your deepest soul, heart-centered desire. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you so much, Danny. This has been so beautiful and powerful and I think will really, really help people. I recommend listening to it when it airs and then many times throughout the rest of the year because I think different things will hit you at different times. So thank you again so much. Thank you for having me. I've loved talking to you. All right. Bye guys. hope you all enjoyed that episode as much as I did and we did here at TBM. And I wanted to give you some practical, actionable advice from this episode. I think this is going to be an episode that you're going to listen to now. You'll get some takeaways. Certain things will percolate and get your mind thinking about how you can navigate this energy. But I would invite you to also listen back in a month from now, two months from now, three months from now, six months from now, as the energy shifts and change. And as Danny talks about the energy shifting and changing, how can you sort of come back to that piece and see it from a new lens there and also do a similar exercise. So grab your journal and question one, take a look at what is presenting in your life right now. What are the tests, triggers, expansion, actions, manifestations? If you are in our pathway membership, this is where the daily check-in journal prompts found in the daily practice, we'll link it in the show notes, and the monthly check-in workshop will really help break down what patterns are presenting right now and what dynamic is being asked to be looked at. So start noting that first. Question two, what is the growth edge that you are being asked to expand into? Are there things that you're needing to let go, patterns you're needing to break, cycles you're needing to change in order to get to this new version of you? Three, where are you numbing? What are you escaping from? Are there ways that you're trying to control things that are no longer working? Are there challenging feelings or moments you're avoiding? Are you numbing, whether that's with technology? What are the ways that you are blocking your ability to find joy and connect to the joys in life and be present to what is going on around you because you are numbing and avoiding processing pain or difficult emotions? And how can you lean into and carve out time to process through those emotions so you no longer rely on those numbing behaviors that may no longer be working for you? And four, refresh and go back to your authentic code. You can go to the authentic code exercise in the how to manifest workshop, but redo your authentic code and really understand what makes you come alive. What brings you joy? Who are you authentically? And how far away from that are you in your day-to-day life? How can you come more alive in your everyday life right now, even in super small ways? So feel free to come back here and listen to these journal prompts and really think about this way that we are trying to control this unraveling, control the navigation through our growth's edge. And when we can release that control, stay present to what is presenting around us, present to the lessons and opportunities that are surrounding us, that is where the true, true blessings and magnetism lie. Hope you guys have a beautiful week and we will see you next Friday on Expanded.